Hello and welcome, Nationals fans. And you'll be glad that we're finally done for West Coast games until September. I'm your host, Blake Finney, and I'm a shareholder in Max Scherzer's bullpen hovercraft business. Joining me this week, seeing as I didn't scare him off last time, is former District on deck site expert and now pinstripe prospects writer, Ricky Keeler. How are you doing, Ricky? I'm doing good, Blake. How are you? And I'm jealous of your lack of West Coast travel time now till September. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a brutal two or three week stretch, but... <laughs> I'm through it, and I'm back on Eastern time. Always works. <laughs> um, so Ricky's going to be joining me this week. Obviously, we've got the Yankees coming up midweek, um, and he's going to be helping us preview that. But first off, we're going to look at the Diamondback series for the Nationals. So obviously, it was a huge four-game sweep for them. They won 2-1, 3-1, 2-1 again, 6-4, and the pitching dominated this one. So do you think the Nationals potentially have – the best rotation in MLB. I think it's between them and the Astros at the moment. Best rotation in the National League. I think the way that Cole is dominating and Verlander and Charlie Morton all of a sudden finds a 99-mile-an-hour fastball curveball. Keiko's your fifth star right now. You have to pick Houston. But the Nats are getting quality outings from pretty much everybody in the rotation. I mean, when you could put Jeremy Hellickson on no-hitter watch like <laughs> the last couple of games, He's done better than most have thought, even though I, I don't get the 61 pitches thing, but that's an analytics thing. Fine, but Scherzer is a guarantee. Strasburg's close to a guarantee. Even Tanner Roark has been mostly consistent. He's kind of back to that old form. So I think if they all stay the way they're going, there's no reason why they're not the best rotation in the National League going forward. They're, they're the ones that probably out of the contenders that really don't have to make an upgrade in that. Yeah, I think it's huge for the Nationals where you have – the back end of the rotation who are only giving up two or three runs a game and keeping you in the game, which is key for those guys, especially when you have an offense like the Nationals. Yeah, absolutely. If it comes down, you've got to have you can benefit from that run support. You take it. you kind of seeing, though, with both these teams coming in, they don't really blow anybody out. And I think that's the real concern, at least on the Yankee side of things, where they're using a lot of Chapman and Green and Batances. Robertson and the Nats are using a lot of Kinsler, Mads, and Doolittle. Now that be, it comes with Aaron Boone and Dave Martinez who are trusting certain guys, but at some point you have to wonder if that comes back to haunt the both these teams. It shouldn't for the Nats because their stars are used to getting 105-110 pitches in April last year. What Dusty was doing. Yeah, I think um, it's a point we've talked about a lot. It's that middle back end of the bullpen that needs to eat the innings that's the key part for the Nationals. But again, that's a first-time manager thing, and that's one that they'll, I think they'll both work on. And in Boone's case, when Tommy Canley hopefully comes back at the end of the month, they'll have another option to go to and maybe give some of these guys a break. So in terms of player of the series for this one, I think we talked about him before when you were on the podcast, but Trey Turner was dynamite at the top of the lineup. He went 5-15, two home runs, despite the damn humidor that I'm glad to see the back of. Scored four, five runs, and... Four walks, so he's really blossoming into the leadoff here. Um, is that what you're seeing? And again, I think I posed this question to you last time. Is he going to stick at the top of the lineup when Eaton comes back? I think he has to. Just with A, who knows when Adam Eaton's coming back. That's a mystery in itself, but he's finding out what pitches he should hit, what pitches he shouldn't hit. 
and that's a good sign when the power even comes into play. That's an added bonus. Bryce Harper hitting leadoff was fun, but it's not something that can last the entire season because you got to give him guys to actually drive in. And I, don't, I mean, Harper hitting solo homers is good, but what good does it do you in the long run? I like what Trey Turner did. I, I think when you look at this series, I mean, Mark Reynolds, what a first game to have last night. And it was impressive about this series was that the Nats did it against Archie Bradley twice. We got the ball for the, the first game of the series, and last night the home run by Reynolds. And that's not easy. Arizona's got one of the better bullpens in the league, and Bradley's one of the better relievers in the league. So to beat their bullpen the way they did in some of these games, that's impressive in itself. Yeah, it was definitely huge. The, they didn't score that many runs, but when they did, they were clutch runs. So, um, yeah, like you say, I think the top of the lineup configuration is going to be interesting going forward. I know that Davey Martinez, is, he's like to go right-left when he's got the chance, obviously, with all the injuries he hasn't. So... If you go, say, Turner 1, Eaton 2, or would you put Harper at 2? I think you'd put Eaton 2. I mean, for the, the rare time you saw it last year, I mean, it depends. It seems like they're aggressive on the bases like they were last season. So if Turner and Eaton can maybe fall off double steals. Maybe if Hoda walks Harper, all of a sudden hit the bases load, nobody out in a given frame. You can manufacture a couple of runs. Because when you get down to the late months of the season, manufacturing runs becomes really important. I mean, it's great to have Harper hitting seconds, even great to have Anthony Rendon hitting second, but it comes to when you can you have that two-hitter that can hit for power and hit for average, it works. I think it could allow Martinez and the coaching staff to be a little more creative. Hmm. Uh, so I think the last point I want to touch on is John Doolittle, the five-star bullpen cart passenger. Uh, he locked himself down three saves in this series, so that takes him to nine on the season. And uh, I can't remember who... Mike Petrillo wrote an article on MLB.com about how he thinks Sean Doolittle is the best reliever in the game. Is that an opinion you'd go with, or would you be a bit more cautious? I think you got to be cautious, but I, I will say this. I think Doolittle's been better than advertised ever since the trade happened. I mean, you, when Nats got Doolittle, it was more, okay, he's a guy that isn't the best closer, but he's going to save you more games than he blows. And he has been really pretty much automatic. There are a couple of times he gets the ball hit hard, and that happens with any reliever outside of guys that throw 102 miles an hour. But for the stuff that he has and for the age he's at, I mean, it's really good. And, and to throw even another reliever, Ryan Madsen at his age is probably the best he's been in years. And I think nobody thought Ryan Madsen would be this good when the Nats acquired him. Yeah, we, um, we got him in that package with Doolittle, and everyone was thinking, well, he'll be an OK8 guy who help fill the bridge because at that point Nats bullpen was in dire straits, but he's been one of the better eight-inning guys in the game. Their only worry, I think, is Kinsler, and I think it's a natural worry with Kinsler because he's not a guy that relies on velocity, relies on location. So that's going to be a Kinsler is going to struggle more often than the other two guys. He's still really good in the seventh, but that's up to Martinez, whether it's Solis, whether it's Grace when he comes back, or Suero, to find that fourth guy because they're going to need a fourth guy even if sean kelly does it for a little bit and i think kelly i think has had battle injury too so that's another problem but they, martinez has to find that fourth guy maybe they find it the deadline and don't give up much for it but you've got to find somebody else you can trust yeah i think in large part it will come from outside the organization maybe you go and get someone like a craig stam and i'm a big fan of getting francisco liriano in that spot potentially because he's on he's with the tigers on a one-year deal and he Filled that role nicely with Houston last year. But I think Kinsler will be a good seven-inning guy. When we've seen him this season, he's either been really, really good and that two seamen's getting 
really good movement. Um, but then when he's been bad and it hasn't been moving, it's been floated up there like we saw on Sunday and right at the start of the season. Relievers are going to be really easy to come by in July because there's more teams being out of it, meaning more bullpen options. You look at the starting rotation side. I mean, outside of Michael Fulmer, maybe Madison Bumgarner, maybe Cole Hamels, even though he's not the same Cole Hamels. I can't really think of any great starting pitching options that are out there right now. Hmm. Um, talking of needing starting pitching options, hmm. uh, <laughs> we're going to move on to looking ahead to the Yankees. Um, they're tied for the best record in MLB coming into tonight. Obviously, the Red Sox could change that one more one way or the other tonight. Uh, they lead the majors in runs, and they're second in home runs, which is kind of where we expect the Yankees to be this season. So in their last series against the Athletics, they had a three-game weekend set. Lost the opener Friday as the A's beat up on their former ace, Sonny Gray, 10-5. They won on Saturday in 11 innings as Neil Walker walked them off in the 11th. And then one six two behind an electric uh, Luis Severino, nearly said Pedro, uh, and Stanton went four for four. So maybe he's quieting down those boos. So, what did you see in the last series for the Yankees? Obviously, the starting pitching, as I touched on before, might need a little bit of help at the deadline. Yeah, I think in this series the A's dominated for the first fifteen innings of the series. Chris Davis had a couple of home runs. Sonny Gray struggled. In fact, the guy that the Yankee, one of the guys the Yankees traded away, Dustin Fowler, got his first major league hit against Sonny Gray. That was pretty cool for his story. That I mean, it's great to see Dustin Fowler back in the big leagues and, and contributing. Gray's been really the big mystery, and they tried Austin Romine at catcher because the, the small sample size shows he works better because Gary Sanchez is still struggling to defend the position consistently. But that didn't work. It's really, I think, a confidence issue with Sonny Gray. But the Yankees do need starting rotation help. I mean, that's a clear need even with Jordan Montgomery out. Although Domingo Herman has done an okay job, struggled on Saturday. I think the one thing you take away from this past series and the series against the Red Sox, the Yankees are never out of a game. They fight back every night, 27 hours. Even when you think like they're in a night where you lose a battle to win the war, kind of like Friday, they still rallied a couple of times and made it really interesting. They almost won Friday's game, which days dominated. So I, I love the youth infusion that the Yankees have had with Glaber Torres and Miguel Andujar. Both are doing a great job. I mean, Andujar basically has kept Grand Drury in AAA, which I don't think anybody would have thought. It really, to me, just comes down to starting rotation help. And eventually they'll get Greg Bird back. And for the Yankees to be clicking this well on offense, they're not blowing people out, but they're doing a good job of consistently having strong nights on offense, when they get Greg Bird back, they're going to be even better. And that's scary for the rest of the league. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of on a lesser scale to the Nationals, where there's a couple injuries here and there that could really help the offense, whereas with the Nationals, they're missing Eaton Murphy. So, yeah, and the Yankees are performing right now, like I said, leading the majors in runs despite that. And it's something that we're going to have to be afraid of, for lack of a better word. Like you said, Stanton is starting to heat up. He had the fourth game yesterday. The close stance is weird. He chops. It looks like he chops the ball. I know they were talking about that in the ESPN telecast last night, but it worked for him. And the one thing I, I like about this team, I mentioned you, Aaron Judge is a better hitter than last year, hmm. and that's scary. The strikeouts are probably a little bit lower, but he's also putting the good at bats. He's not swinging too hard. He's moving the ball the other way if he has to. Drawing walk, I think he has a hit and an RBI in seven straight games. So to get that pressure from the number two spot, 
is in, you never thought that he could go up from what he did last year, but he has. And even you put him and Didi together, though Didi just got off an 0 for 30, but Didi's first month was something nobody expected either. Mm. Uh, and I think the one last point to touch on during the review, not the preview, because we're not going to see in this series, is Luis Severino, who has really matured into the ace of the Yankees staff the last year, two years. So what are we missing out on by not seeing him this series? Well, he's the ace of the staff. He has quietly grown into that. He's put the wild card issue against the Twins in that first inning behind him. He's 4-0 in his last six starts. He had a game against the Red Sox for even. He didn't have his best stuff. And he somehow got through five innings on night where he had to go five innings. And that's kind of the sign of an ace, too, where you don't have your best stuff, but you grind it out. Saw it yesterday a little bit where he had to throw 106 pitches over six innings, but he holds the ace to one run. And that's a pretty good offense that he kept only to one run on the board. Fastball's electric. He throws 100 miles an hour on like the 100th pitch of the game. The all-speed stuff is nasty. I think working with Pedro has, has helped him tremendously. And he's really the one guy that Yankee fans – trust on a consistent basis because Tanaka is I think more often good than not but I think Severino has become sort of a I know what I'm going to get every fifth day and that's the progression of a young ace and that's what he's doing hmm. yeah my my fantasy keeper league team is very happy for Luis Severino <laughs> um so looking ahead to this series uh we actually ran a poll on Twitter earlier asking who Nats fans were most interested interested to see Ricky specifically asked not to know the results until now so he can act surprised and I can see the surprise on his face coming. Uh, I think it's no surprise to anyone, though, that Aaron Judge led the poll. But I think I found it interesting. It was at 76%. And then Giancarlo Stanton, 19%. And then Tanaka and Sanchez, Tanaka had 2%. And Gary Sanchez only had 3%. So what do you make of those poll results? I think they're a bit skewed to potentially what the media's outputting for Judge. Well, I, I'd like to, qu- first off, I want to question the 19% who voted Giancarlo Stanton. Do you <laughs> enjoy watching your team give up home runs to him? I don't get why. I thought when Stanton got traded, you were happy that you don't have to face him 19 times a year. Uh, but that's besides the point. Tanaka, I'm not surprised about the, the Nats saw him in 2015, so kind of the sensation of Tanaka has worn off, not compared to what Shohei Otani's doing now. Judge, I, I, I would have gone judge. I mean, I am surprised for Gary Sanchez, but it's also a nationally thing with Sanchez. With all the weapons on this team offensively, Sanchez goes overlooked, and he still has 10 home runs. The batting average is down, but Sanchez is really one of those guys that is getting the hit home runs late. He's won them a few games over the last couple of weeks. The Sunday night game against the Angels. He had the walk-off against the Twins. He had the big home run against Ken Giles that caused him to punch himself in the face. Uh, he has had... Every big hit over these last couple weeks where the Yankees are beating playoff contender after playoff contender after playoff contender. And the defense is really the lone issue for him. And that's a concern. He made Severino for 20 extra pitches last week against the Red Sox. He can't have that. But from an offensive standpoint, he might be one of the best power hitters on the team. And that's saying something with Judge and Stanton there. Yeah, like, like you say, I was surprised he was that low. I nearly included um, D.D. Gregorius instead of Tanaka, but I thought I had to put a picture in there on the picture myself so I have that soft spot but yeah he's definitely going overlooked you hear all this about Judge and Stanton and Didi Gregorius is probably getting more attention than Sanchez and Sanchez is right in that mix it's it's a fluid situation from game to game as to who's the best hitter and Didi from the standpoint 
has gone from the guy that nobody really thought could hit offensively to the point where some Yankee fans are saying, no, don't get Manny Machado because then Didi should stay our shortstop. So the fact that the Yankees now, from two years ago when it was the Harvard Machado sweepstakes, now all of a sudden, hey, we got all this young talent. Don't need Bryce Harper. Don't need Manny Machado. Don't give another $400 million contract. It's sort of a real stark contrast from now compared to two years ago. Yeah, you do bring up that Bryce Harper. I had it on my uh, my notes to bring it up, so this seems like a better time than ever. So even with the Stanton trade, do you see the Yankees making a play for Bryce Harper? I don't see it. I think the only way they would is if the price went down uh, because you look around the league, there's not going to be many teams that can offer 300, 400 million to Bryce Harper. It's just the way the game works. There's more contenders than pretenders. Maybe the Dodgers now, they're having a really bad year decide to do it next year, sort of revitalize their team, see the Phillies do it, maybe the Red Sox do it. I mean, who knows? But I think with the Stanton into the mix, they've been trying to use them left. Now, Harper wanted to play center field. Brett Gardner's a free agent. I'm sure they could find a team that would take on Aaron Hicks and get a good package back if they really want to do that. I think the Yankees need next year, keeping an eye on that starting pitching market with Kershaw, if he opts out, Dallas Keuchel, Patrick Corbin, who has said publicly he wants to be a Yankee, which is weird because you're on a contending team, yet you talk about one to get another team, but that's besides the point. They really need pitching next year. They have arms in their system, but they're not as far along. Sheffield is getting there. Adams has had a down year, but he's coming off of injury. They really need pitching. I don't know if they're going to really put more money into an outfit, especially when eventually they're going to have to pay Aaron Judge, and I can't see them having three lucrative contracts in that outfit. Yeah, I think if you'd have asked me two years ago, I would have absolutely said Bryce Harper can play center field. But I think this year he's regressed a bit defensively. I'm not sure if he's um, getting distracted by his potential slumps, but I think he's got a negative defensive run saved in right field at the moment. So putting him in center field probably isn't an option. But here's the one thing with Harper that if they keep up to realize, he went through this a couple of years ago where he gets pitched around a lot and it affects the rest of his game. He gets impatient at the plate because he realized he only get one or two pitches to hit. Martinez should know this. Martinez was one of the people that did this to him a couple of years ago. They've given him, I think, the right amount of time just to take a little bit of a break. They gave him a day off on the West Coast trip, which I thought was smart. That's just giving you what you're going to get with that kind of con- that's contract. That's not saying don't give Bryce Harper that contract. That's just saying, I mean, I would love for him to be in the Yankee lineup and I mean, protected by Stanton or Judge or whoever is better than being protected by Ryan Zimmerman. I'm sure he thinks that. But at, at this point, it's going to be about once Harper gets more protection around him, that's when I think you'll see the more complete hitter. He's having a great year otherwise, but it could be even better. Hmm. Uh, and one of the one of the Yankees that I wanted to touch on, uh, you're now done with hashtag Gleber Watch. He's actually in the majors now. Uh, Gleber hey, Mania is one of those guys. Uh, is <laughs> still in full force. Uh, but yeah, it, it paid off. He finally got called up hitting 314, three home runs. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic with him and Didi Gregorius. One of them is going to have to move off. I think it's so far been Torres, but is that how it's going to play out in the long run? I think so, because Labor Torres at second base has done a really nice job. I mean, he came in for Tyler Wade, who struggled to start the year. They sent Wade back down. And Torres has helped out on the right side of the infield. And very quietly, Neil Walker has played a good first base. I think much better than a lot of people have thought from a defensive standpoint. But Torres 
He's got some power, really good defensively. And I love his patience at the plate. He's not trying to do too much. And that goes for Andujar, too. They're both grinding out at bats. We saw Andujar in the series last week hit the ball to the right side, move the runner over in that eighth inning rather than trying to play hero. And Torres has had his own hero moments this year. He had the walk-off against Cleveland, had the game-tying hit against Houston. But both have been able to help that bottom of the order and make the depth in this lineup. And like I mentioned earlier, their their youth has sort of invigorated a lot of the veterans, like last year. Sparked Brett Gardner, sparked a couple of these other guys. So Torres has been everything that he was hyped up to be. He advanced up the system so quickly, and he looks to be a mainstay to both offensively and defensively. Hmm. He's definitely a player that I want to watch this week. So... Is there, are there any nationals that you're particularly keen to see? Well, I love to see what, I think there's two guys I think to keep an eye on here in the series outside of the big names. One is Matt Adams. I picked him up in fantasy last week. He got me like 60 points. <laughs> so I want to thank Matt Adams for that. But now he's going to get a chance to play more regularly at first base with Zimmerman on the disabled list. Although Mark Reynolds, I'm sure, will get his fair share of playing time. And another guy is Howie Kendrick. I mean, he owns the Yankees in his career. He's one of those professional hitters that always grinds out at bats, always finds a way to be productive. We'll see how they manufacture at bats with Kendrick and Defoe going forward, too. But Kendrick will get his way into the lineup, and I think those role players are going to be key because if Matt Weider's out, you're not going to get the same production from catcher. They're going to need that from second base and from left field more so because they lose that extra bat. So Adams might have to be, instead of being that surprise, now it's to be that consistent producer, which he's been doing. But I think it'll be sparked more in this series. Plus the Yankees only have one lefty in their pen in Chase and Shreve. So that's an opportunity in the later innings if the Nats can get some right handers up uh would be a big boost to them. Yeah, I know um the the Nats haven't faced a lot of left handers recently. I think they sat Matt Adams against Luke Casey against the Padres maybe. Um but they faced one this series. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, especially with Mark Reynolds who's killed lefties in his career. Will Will Adams sit against Sabathia and let Mark Reynolds take over at first, or will Adams stay in the lineup just because he's raking? Either way, I think I think they're fine because Reynolds at least has the the, the track record. He, Reynolds used to be a Yankee anyway. I mean that he's used to that whole American you know, style playing to begin with. And I love that signing for them. He didn't get many at bats at Syracuse, but he showed he didn't he might have some rust outside of the big game he had Sunday night, but. The Nats can use sort of that platoon style that works for Martinez and allows guys to get days off because even when these regulars come back, and Eaton, if he does, and Murphy, they're not going to play every day right away. So the more at-bats they get, the better. Hmm. And I think the the other national that I really want to watch is Pedro Severino. I've been hugely high on him um, since he came up after losing out on the backup job in spring training. And, He's kept impressing, especially in Arizona when he had to take over for Matt Wheaters. And he's been a bit of an iron man when he's needed to be. I think he played six straight when Wheaters went down the first time. And now he's going to do it as the starter. Um, there's not been a whole lot of power, but he's maturing a lot and taking the walks, which is particularly impressive for a young pitcher. I still, um, I still remember the walk he took against Philadelphia to tie the game when... Most young hitters would chase after that, try and get the base hit and play the hero. This is his chance to be that everyday player. And if he takes advantage of that, that's going to help him down the road when the Nats have to make the decision 
of who they want to be their catcher because Roddy Reed's still on suspension. So he's hurt himself because if, if Reed was there, he'd be catching right about now instead of Spencer Keyboom or even down the road, maybe Tuffy Ghostwitch gets a shot. But for right now, Sabrina makes good contact. He's strong behind the plate. Pitchers are throwing the ball well to him, and that's really important with this team. So it's good to see him take advantage of that shot, and at least he's healthy compared to last year. Yeah, I think um, it was also a big testament during the ESPN interview, one of not many parts of ESPN that I actually listened to, when they interviewed Max Scherzer, and he was so high on Pedro Severino. He gave him massive praise, and I think it's shown in the results. I think Severino has the lowest ERA that Max has thrown to. So big praise for him. Uh, and then I'm going to throw you a bone here and someone that I'm sure you love because of your prospect background. Uh, I wonder how much we'll see of Wonder Suero this season, who's looked pretty good so far for the Nationals. So what did you make of him when you were with District on Deck primarily? He's the real wild card in this because he was in spring training for three years. And you don't really get to go to, minor, go to spring training three years twice in a row as a non-roster invitee and not have somebody in the organization love you that much. And from looking at his numbers, was great in the second half of Syracuse last year. Was talking with writers in Harrisburg. Was talking with Kevin Brown, who was the announcer at Syracuse at the time. And they all loved him. I mean, he changed his delivery, which I think was a huge plus for him. He's not going to be that closer at the big league level, but he can be one of those middle relievers if Martinez wants to trust him and give him some more times out. But uh, everybody's been raving about Square. He's risen up the prospect boards over the last few months. And it's good to see him get that opportunity and at least Austin Volk got get called up a couple weeks ago, though he struggled. And Eric Fetty's throwing 96-97 uh, at Syracuse, which is a good thing, even though he's been hit around a little bit. But uh, all in all, good signs for the Nets uh, pitchers, at least in the upper tiers of the farm system. Yeah, I definitely want to see more of Suero pitching those middle innings, especially when some of the players that Martinez clearly doesn't trust have kind of shown who they are now. So Sean Kelly getting beat around most of the time. Obviously, he pitched a good inning last night, I believe. But it would be interesting to see him get a chance. He hasn't allowed a run yet. What about so, Trevor, Trevor Gottlieb? I mean, he's, he's the guy that's sort of been, been much better this year compared to last year. I wouldn't go that far. He's uh, I think he's got a 5-odd ERA. Um, but he's he's someone we've brought in with higher hopes, and they just haven't panned out yet. He's not. He wasn't what people thought they're getting in the Escobar deal. But even then, if you give him a shot every now and then, I mean, this is the time of the year where now the Nats have won 13 and 15 and have erased that bad start. You give guys these opportunities and you see what you do with them. Problem is, the Nats can't do that because the East is so good that four teams are within three games of each other. Nobody would have thought that to begin with. Hmm. So now we're going to take up at each of the matchups individually. It's going to be a much shorter segment than last time when we had four matchups to look forward to. We've only got the two this week. So we've got Masahiro Tanaka v. Gio Gonzalez on Tuesday at 7.05 Eastern. Gio Gonzalez 4-2 and two with a 2-2-2 ERA. Nice symmetry. Uh, and Masahiro Tanaka 4-2 and two with a 4-6-6 ERA. So what's gone wrong with Tanaka so far? I wouldn't say anything is, is totally wrong. I think the one thing you look at with Tanaka is you have it's either on any given night you're gonna have good Tanaka, you're gonna have bad Tanaka. Bad Tanaka is gonna leave his splitter up in the zone and it's gonna get crushed out of the ballpark. He's already given up eight home runs this season. He's been prone to give up a lot of home runs. He is two and all in his last four starts, and 
He had the good six innings against Houston before the seventh inning got away from him for some of the contact the Astros were making. Pitched great in Los Angeles, even though the Yankees gave him like a 9 nothing lead, but still only gave up one run. It's good against Minnesota. The Yankees have scored a lot of runs, and they've actually scored 40 runs in their last four games with Tanaka's on the mound, so that might be a good sign for the offense. Strikeout numbers, he usually is around five. He's had a couple of good ones, nine against the Angels, eight against Toronto in that first start, but he's not a big strikeout guy. So I think that hurts him to a degree. He's the number two starter on this team, clearly. Even though Sabathia, who we'll get into later, is giving him a run for his money for that spot. But it depends. Last year in October, Tanaka was really good. That's the potential he has. But on this team, he kind of has to be that number two just because no other option. But I would look past the 4.66 ERA because a lot of that is skewed by some a bad game in Fenway, even though he won. They gave six runs. And then a bad bad inning or two against the Marlins. You throw those numbers out, Tanaka's got a much better ERA than about 4.6. Hmm. Yeah, I was digging into some of the stats. He's actually perfect 3-0 and away from home. with a, Albeit it's still not a great 4-3-0 ERA, but potentially those home runs are more of an issue at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, that's really been the thing with him is the home runs I mentioned, but you mentioned the, the road splits 25-4 to four strikeout to walk ratio. That always helps Tanaka doesn't really put a lot of guys on base via the free pass. He's usually okay around the strike zone. Only has 10 walks in eight games this season, so you know you're going to see strikes uh, on, a, on a consistent basis. I think the key will be for the Nationals at least to look for something up in his own. Bryce Harper did homer against him a couple of years ago. He's got that in his back pocket. Tanaka did face the Yankees, or not the Yankees, the Nats in 2015 against Max Scherzer and won that game. So that was a different Tanaka at the time. I'm intrigued by this matchup only because Geo is historically bad against the Yankees with like a 6.65 ERA. And if he has bad command and the Yankees can make you work with bad command, they will make him throw 100 pitches over five innings. Geo's known to do that more often than not. You have the exact same stat that I had put up. <laughs> yeah, one and five with a 6.65 ERA against the Yankees and it's not pretty. And then also this season, OPS against right-handers is 230 points higher than left-handers. And when you've got the Yankees power bats with Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, that could be something that makes Gio pay. And on the whole, he's the, I think the field in independent pitching is not a lot higher than the ERA, but his whip is ridiculously high for someone with a low two ERA. So it may be something that comes back to bite him in this game. One of the things we saw from Gio last year, he'll put guys on, he's done a much better job in the last couple of years of getting people out in those situations. And looking at the number here, hitters are hitting .98 with men scoring position, and he kind of had that same thing going in the first half of last year. Now, we saw in, in, post, in the postseason that does not last. You can't keep doing that and getting away with it. And this Yankee lineup, I think, is sort of a good test for that because you may hold them to one run through three innings, you may also have 65, 70 pitches with the way Gardner works the count, Judge works the count, Beattie works the count. Guys, Bob and the order we talked about, they work the count. There is a not a guy you can really rely on. Even the strikeouts, you're still throwing five, six pitches per at bat pretty much. Yeah, and I think that I think it could be the home run that's going to be the telling factor. I think he's got a career low home run per nine this year, and he's facing one of the most potent home run lineups. And then if he's putting people on and the Yankees hit a home run, that's Three runs on the board. And Stanton actually, I think, doesn't have a home run against him at all. It's really surprising. Six for 31 with an RBI. 
so um, you would have thought the 31 at bat Stanton would have a home run off here. So Dylan's been doing something, right? Uh, do you have a prediction for this game then? I'm going to go with the Yankees. I think this comes down to a bullpen game. And while it's close, I think with the day off, it allows Chapman, who, had, who did not pitch on Sunday, I think he'll be ready to go. Uh, Chad Green, David Robertson didn't pitch, I think, Sunday. He'll be ready to go. And I think their back end, one, one of the things Aaron Boone has done is allowed his bullpen guys to throw two innings, which has hurt him. But it might help him down the road because if they get to October, which they should, then those guys are used to throwing two innings a game. And that's a positive. I think that the Yankees can use their guys in multiple innings. The Nats really can't because they use there so much. So I think it'll be a close game, but I think the Yankees win like a 5-4 kind of ball game. Yeah, I think I had 7-5 to the Yankees. I think there's going to be quite a few runs, like I was saying. I think the the base runners are going to catch up to Geo in this one. Um, and kind of the Yankees are too good. I think it's going to be a split overall, maybe jumping ahead to the next matchup a bit. But these are two of the best teams in baseball. So it's going to be a hard-fought series. Um, so moving on to the second matchup, it's CC Sabathia against Max Scherzer on Wednesday at 7.05 Eastern on ESPN again. Max Scherzer 7-1 with a 1.69 ERA. I will never get tired of looking at those stats. Uh, and CC Sabathia 2-0 with a 2.23 ERA. So are we seeing some of the CC Sabathia of old back in his early days with the Yankees and even back to the Indians? The velocity is not what it used to be, but one of the things CeCe's done is he's learned how to pitch. And he's learned to pitch with diminished velocity, and that's a good thing. Like, Boone's not going to get seven innings out of him every night. He's going to get five or six, and that's where the bullpen, I think, comes in handy on those occasions. But 28 strikeouts to five walks. He doesn't usually throw more than 90 pitches, so the Nats maybe work a couple of long innings that might be to their advantage. But getting the ground ball outs he needs, He's been able to paint the corners, which is something he didn't really do a couple of years ago. But he's been that guy I think the Yankees can rely upon again. And he's not the guy that's going to be the, the ace of the rotation anymore. But he'll keep you in ball game. And with this offense, that's really all you need. He was kind of hurt in that last game against the Red Sox. They had a lot of – hit a lot of balls at town holes, but he doesn't allow a lot of hard contact. And that's a good sign, especially when you're playing Yankee State and you cannot give up a lot of hard contact or it will either scrape the wall or go into the third deck. So I think he's at a real disadvantage in this matchup because Davey Martinez did not do the Yankees any favors. Max Scherzer is, he's the last of it. I think he's the last of his kind. Guy that you have to wrestle the ball away from to give you 110 pitches at night. Because when he doesn't strike out 10, you feel like he's screwed up. Like when you're, when you're at that level and covering the Nancy district for three years and watching him every day. And you, you didn't want to miss a game he was pitching. And he is on that kind of role right now where 10 strikeouts is the norm. He's on no hitter watch. He's on perfect game watch. And this is a lineup that strikes out a lot. So I would assume the over under on Scherzer strikeouts, I would put it 10 and a half. Uh, it's one where this is a good test for this Yankee offense because They've been made to look bad against some of these guys. I think Verlander had 13 or 14 strikeouts a few weeks ago. So I could see Scherzer racking up the Ks in this game on one thing. Yeah, it it wouldn't be the first time or the second time we've been on Max Scherzer's strikeout record watching this one, potentially, where I think he's had two when he's been on course to break it and then just thrown too many pitches. So it's going to be an interesting one, and... I will never, like I said, I'll never get tired of watching him. I, 
I think I've seen six Nats games in person and he's pitched three of them. That's just the way it's fallen. And it's a, it was a somewhat of a surprise that they bumped Scherzer forward, even though it's on normal rest just to kind of give Tanner Roark a break, even though Tanner Roark pitched well last game. So it'll be interesting to see. And I have the Nats winning this one three to one. I do think Sabathia does a good job, but potentially with that length and if Tanaka can't go enough innings, then you're asking your bullpen to pitch two days in a row. The only thing the Yankees, I think, have to hope for is if Scherzer leaves those fastballs up in the zone. If he does, then the Yankees are the kind of offense that can take advantage of it. I keep an eye on Neil Walker here. He only has four hits and 23 at-bats, but three of them have left the yard. So maybe Walker gets the mistake, and he hasn't hit a lot of homers with the Yankees, but he's had a lot of timely hits, especially over the last week or two. But I'm with you. I, I can't see Scherzer having a bad game here. I kind of like the whole keep him on his routine and give Roark the break, even though Scherzer was close to almost 115 pitches the last time out. That's why I thought maybe he would have the extra inning in Arizona. But I think the Nats win this game. I have it like a 6-1 to one kind of game. Maybe they score a couple runs late against Shreve or whoever to make it a 6-1 game. Maybe there's an A.J. Cole sighting in this series, <laughs> which he did win the other day, and he looked really good. Albeit he's only thrown once in two weeks, but he looked pretty good. But I, I think the Nats win this game and get a split this year. I think you've stolen my notes. I had that exact same Neil Walker stat as well with <laughs> three home runs off. We did not communicate notes in the, before the show, people. <laughs> yeah, um, it's interesting that you mentioned AJ Cole. Um, is he someone that you think is going to stick with the Yankees, or is he just there to kind of placehold until there's a better option? Probably more the latter. Uh, to me, this was a guy that I think they brought in just for a revolving long relief door because Domingo Herman being not as stretched out right away. The Yankees have two guys that are long men on the roster and AJ Cole and David Hale to sort of be that protection. They haven't had to use any of them, which is probably to their detriment. Hale pitched a couple games. Cole won the game in extra innings on Saturday. Slider looked good. He got out of a two men on nobody out situation. And I always liked A.J. Cole as a reliever because that's when he can sort of let the fastball loose a little bit, about 94. He can use his off-speed a little bit more and really only need two pitches to succeed in the bullpen anyway. He won't be he won't be great, but I think he is a good option. The Yankees just right now have a lot of injuries on their 40-man roster with relief help, but they'll get Canely back soon. Adam Warren might be longer in terms of being on the disabled list. He sesses out. So... When those guys come back, I think Cole's gone or in AAA Scranton. But for right now, I think maybe Boone is more likely to use Cole or Hale just to give some of these guys a break because he's essentially running with a five-man bullpen right now. Yeah, I think the thing for Nationals fans was we were coming into the season expecting him to do what Hellickson is doing, doing well against the lineup the first few times around and then stuttering the third time. But I think it's the fact that we didn't see that that made the decision to cut him even though, even if he does well at the Yankees now, it was still the right decision at the time. It is very, it's very extreme. Like, I don't, does Jeremy Hellickson break a sweat? I mean, he throws 50, <laughs> 60 pitches, has a no hitter, and then leaves the game half the time. But no, he, he has been really good. Danger's been great. Curveball's been really good. Um, and especially in some of these lineups, Arizona's got a really good lineup. <laughs> San Diego, very quietly, I think, has some good hitters too uh, on that team. So to do that in Pekka, where he was, I took the no-hitter into the seventh. That, that was just as good. So I think they've gotten everything they could have asked for him. It gives them time for Eric Fetty. It gives them time for Austin Vogt, who struggled his last couple of times out. But 
he's been everything and then some. And I think that's a good sign. And, and for Cole, just a change of scenery. Look, he's not a starter. He can't command the zone like a starter. But last September, he was good in the bullpen. Maybe that's a role that he can flourish in for the time being. But he just does not command the zone consistently to be that starter people all before. Hmm. Uh, so finally, we're going to move on to a couple of listener questions that we've got. Uh, the Nats post asks, is Mark Reynolds here to stay? And I think that's a difficult one to answer. He's going to make it tough over the next few games. I think Ryan Zimmerman's going to return after the minimum. Um, and Because if he keeps hitting, you've got an interesting dilemma there. You've got three first basemen. Adams can kind of play left field, but not great. Is he someone that does stick around? I will say this. I don't, I don't know the injury situation you, you do observe in terms of how long he might be out, but it does give them time to sort of rest Thurman a little bit more because the struggles have been there this season. He has not had the start this year that he did last year. And if you allow Zerman to be fresh for the latter portion of the season, that can be a good thing as well. So maybe if it's not right after the tennis, maybe they let Zerman sort of play a couple games in the minors after a couple of weeks get his timing back down there, and then get him in a role at the major league level. So this maybe maybe it's short DL stint, but having a guy like Reynolds who's hitting, and if he continues to hit, maybe they ease Zimmerman up just a little bit in his progress, because the back is no joke, especially at his age. It might take longer to recover from a back injury compared to five years ago. Yeah, I think it the case with Zimmerman was he's he's still feeling it. He played two games after it initially happened and he took a couple of games off. He played and he could play through it, but I think the Nationals are thinking right now we've got Mark Reynolds, we've got Matt Adams who's tearing the cover off the ball, so we'll just give you those 10 days to rest and come back at the end uh, and be ready to play. So it's something you can't really evaluate at this point whether Reynolds is going to stick around. It's something you've got to wait and see how he performs. Uh, and the other question that he came up with was, uh, Howie Kendrick and Will Medifa are playing solid at the moment. Are they going to head straight back to the bench when the starters are, he- starters are healthy? And I think it's it's going to be more bench duty than starting duty, but especially, say, when Murphy comes back, they are going to see two or three starts a week. Yeah, you have to keep them fresh. I mean, like we talked about earlier, you can't take Daniel Murphy and Adam Eaton and play them every on a 10, 15-day stretch every day when they come back. You've got to ease them, especially Murphy, because the injury has taken much longer to come back from than originally thought. Kendrick is going to get every chance to play. Heck, he could play some first base if, if, if the Nats really needed him too. He's got that kind of ability. Wilmer Defoe excels as a starter more has off the bench, so maybe Defoe gets more starter reps in that scenario than Kendrick does, because Kendrick, I think, is a really good late-inning situation guy. They're going to need that. That's where they miss Adam Lynn, who's in AAA with the Yankees right now, ironically. But I think Hendrick is going to have that kind of role, especially when it gets to the latter months of the season. And Defo, he needs to start a rep more than Hendrick does because when he's on the bench, he's not the same player. Yeah, he's, um, I think Defoe's definitely made a bid for that second base role when or if Murphy leaves at the end of the season. That seems to be the big uh, consensus in Natsland is that Bryce Harper stays Daniel Murphy goes. Because yeah. I, I kind of agree. I think Murphy's going to cash in on one more payday. Yeah, I think the Nationals are going to be a bit wary with Murphy, potentially even more so after this injury. So you want to be going after Bryce Harper as the number one priority and 
personally, I think Daniel Murphy's going to end up back with the Mets after this season. That's a, I, I could see that. I don't know if Sandy Alderson should do that uh, because they're a team that really needs to get younger on that on that squad. But I could see that sort of as sort of that mentor also the younger players. I will say this. For Murphy to hit that home run in Game Five with that injury just looks more and more impressive the longer he's out. Hmm. So I want to say thanks to Ricky for joining me today. Uh, it's not going to be the last time we'll see him. We do have another series against the Yankees later on this season. Uh, so where can our listeners find you now? And they will have. They could see they won't have that problem because there's a DH. <laughs> like somebody in there with it in the Bronx next month. Uh, but anyway, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Rickinator555, at R-I-C-K, letter I, Nader, like the Terminator, 555. Uh, com is the site to write about the Yankees for. We do a podcast every week. We just had our one recorded last night. We talked about Clint Frazier and some of the hitters in the system. You'll find me hosting that every once in a while. I'll be doing set on Yankees coverage in June there. We got MLB draft coming up in three weeks, so we're going to do some draft stuff. Uh, I wrote an article that the Yankees have the 23rd pick. They've had it three times in their in their history. You can read who their post picks were. We're also at Elite Sports NY doing some Mets stuff uh, right now. I got a draft profile coming out next week for the Mets with the sixth pick. So they'll have some interesting options. So Mets, Yankees can find anywhere Elite Sports NY and PinstripeProspects.com. Yeah, he's um, definitely been doing some good work, and I'm a big fantasy dynasty fantasy fantasy nut. So I love reading some of the prospect stuff definitely blake i appreciate you having me on and uh good luck with the rest of the show it's been it's been great to listen to yeah you too uh so just check out some of our content on site this week we've graded some of the national stars and how they're doing this year some are passing with flying colors and there's also a look at how pedro severino is set to shine behind the plate without matt weird so uh, you can follow us on Twitter at District on Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District on Deck. You can follow us on our podcast, New Home, on Spreaker. There's even an app you can download and get the episodes downloaded to that app. Uh, and finally, subscribe on iTunes. I know a lot of you have done it already, uh, and the episodes will be automatically downloaded for you. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday as the Nats get yet another off day, thankfully. Uh, before the Dodgers come to Nats Park, reeling from their start to the season. So we'll see you next time.